Amen. Well, church family, we're going to continue worshiping by reading God's word together. And if you have a copy of the scriptures, I hope that you will join me in the book of Acts. We've been in a sermon series through the book of Acts and specifically in chapter 16. And we're going to spend time over the next few moments talking about things that are encouraging and things that are hopeful. We've gathered here this morning because we have good news, right? We have good news. And for some of you, you, you heard good news this weekend. I don't know how many of you are thrilled to have heard the news that on July 7th, coming up in about eight weeks, Taylor Swift is releasing previously recorded songs from her album, Speak Now. How many Swifties are in the room? I'll be honest. All right. Hey, look, I think that's awesome. I got my favorite artist. All right. Just, just pray, praise Jesus as much as you do her, okay? But, but there are... 400,000 of our closest friends in town this weekend. They are not all here for Taylor, but about 180,000 of them are. But it's a pretty busy weekend in Nashville, and I heard that like you can get a room at the La Quinta for 965 bucks. So welcome to Nashville. We're thrilled that people are here. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm joking a little bit, but we do have good news, and I mean that sincerely. We, we have great news, and the news that we have is there is a God, and his name is Jesus, and we believe that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I'm, I'm thrilled to lean in on that this morning, but one of the things that I want to say on the coattail of that, like, I, I, I'm serious. I would never lie to you or mislead you. Like, I believe God has a plan and a purpose for your life. But here's the question I want you to ask today. I don't want you to ask it in terms of your plans and your desires and, God, what's your will for my life? Here's what I want us all to ask this morning. God, what do you want in this world? What is it that you want most on this planet? Because I think that question fundamentally changes and impacts everything about our church, everything about our lives, everything about our relationships. How cool is it that even during our prayer time just a moment ago, Melody said, with everything going on, if you could set that aside and say, but what is it, God, that you want most today? And you're going to see an example of his heart and what he wants for our planet and what he wants for our city from the book of Acts. So would you stand with me in honor of God's word this morning? And we're going to read Acts chapter 16. And we're going to read verses 6 through 15 together. It says, They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, and they had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to do so. And so passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And during the night there, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him. And the man said, cross over to Macedonia and help us. And after he, that's Paul, had seen the vision we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And from Troas, we put out to the sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, the next day to Neapolis, and from there finally to Philippi, a Roman colony and a leading city of the district 
of Macedonia. And we stayed in the city for several days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate by the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who were gathered there. And a God-fearing woman named Lydia, an entrepreneur, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, was listening to what Paul was saying. And after she and her household were baptized, or the Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying, and after she and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come stay at my house. And she persuaded us. I will say the word of the Lord if you would say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, when you look at the church at Avenue South, my greatest desire for our congregation this morning is yes, we have plans, we have desires, and you've told us that those things are good and they are important and they are meaningful. It's not that anyone would hear me preaching against those things or saying you don't care about those things, but my prayer is what would supersede that would be our collective and individual desire to say, but what I want to know most today is, God, what do you want most? What would bring you the greatest glory in the city of Nashville and around the planet? Father, that's our heart's desire today. We pray that you would help us to see ourselves in light of who you are and that we would leave here in just a moment excited, grateful for the gospel, and each of us, even as we scatter throughout the community the next six days, excited about seeking and pursuing what you want most for this world. And we pray this as your church together and all of God's people said, amen, amen. Well, out of these nine or ten verses that we just read, there are three truths that I want to point out to you. I know several of you, you journal. I see your Bible's open. I see your scripture open. You can scribble in the margin. If you could see my Bible, that's what I do. I underline, I highlight, I write in the margin. There's three things that I want you to walk away with this morning, and here's the first one. When God says no to our plans, when God says no to what we really earnestly want to do, it truly presents us with an opportunity to trust him. When he says no, the offer on the table is, do you trust me? And that's his invitation to us. At this point where we are reading in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Barnabas, one of his young pastor friends who had been commissioned with him in the church at Antioch, they had separated company. Paul had wanted to go back. This is part of what we just read as part of Paul's second missionary journey. The first missionary journey Paul had from, if you think about a map, where kind of Jerusalem is on, on the side of the, the Mediterranean Sea right there near Israel, Paul went out the first time to plant churches, and one of the things that he wanted to do was go out and strengthen those churches that he had planted. And when they wanted to go out, Barnabas wanted to bring along a guy named John Mark, and Paul did not want to bring him along because he had proved himself untrustworthy previously. 
And so they had such a sharp disagreement. You ever had a disagreement with a brother or sister in Christ? They had such a strong disagreement with one another that they separated company. And Barnabas took John Mark, even though he had previously deserted them on their previous mission work, Barnabas took John Mark. I'm so grateful Barnabas, I mean, I told you he's like a rock star of our faith. He's often faithful. He's not fancy. He's not fantastic, but he's just faithful. He took John Mark with him. And that is how we received the gospel of Mark. Thank goodness Barnabas didn't give up on John Mark. But Paul took Silas. He took Silas. That's who my oldest son is named after. This Silas, a young disciple, follower of Jesus. And he ultimately, earlier in chapter 15 and chapter 16, connected with a young man named Timothy. So Paul's traveling in a group of companions. Paul and crew are Silas, Timothy. Luke is with them. Luke, who wrote Acts, says we when he writes this in the verses we just read. So this crew is traveling through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. If you don't know where that is that we just read, the Bible says there in verse 6, look with me. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Now, this is the northernmost part of what is modern-day Turkey. So if you've ever been to the Middle East, if you've been to Turkey, they're traveling through these areas. And they had been, what does it say in verse 6? They had been forbidden to speak the word. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus. They had been forbidden to speak the gospel. At that time, that was Asia. Turkey, modern-day Turkey was Asia. They had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak about the gospel. Now, I don't fully understand all of the purposes and all of the motives of God. He's God and we are not. Like, I can't really wrap my head fully around that. Why wouldn't he want these guys telling people about life in Christ? But we know that God has a heart that none should perish. And so whatever his plans were, God wanted someone else at a different time with different skills and a different calling to take the gospel to Asia as they knew it at the time. But I'm sure in some way, and however the Holy Spirit prevented him, we can only speculate. Maybe it was sickness. Every time they tried to go and share the gospel, they got sick. Maybe it was Jewish opposition. We can only speculate. We don't know. But I'm sure it was confusing. It had to be disappointing. We don't see that here, but I'm guessing they're human. You're human. When the Lord says no to what you want to do, do you ever get frustrated? When you pray for something and it seems like sometimes there's a long wait or the answer is no. I used to fear him saying no, but sometimes you pray for years and you're not sure what the Lord's will is. It's wonderful to hear the word no, even as uncomfortable as that may be, to know that you've heard his voice. There's something comforting and wonderful sometimes when God says no. You've heard his voice. But they were probably frustrated. They were probably disappointed, wondering why wouldn't God allow us to do this? They, they don't want to do anything wrong. Their motives are pure. We want to go where Jesus has never been preached and make him known. And the Lord says, I appreciate your plans. I appreciate your desires. But right now, the answer is no. Is there anybody in the room who feels like Paul and Silas and Timothy? You have prayed and whatever you're praying for, it's, it's honorable. It's pleasing to the Lord. And he has said, no. No or not yet. What he gave these men an opportunity to do was to trust him. And what this comes down to in reality is, do we actually believe that God is who we say he is? Do we believe that God is in control of all things? Do we believe that God knows the future, that the future belongs to him? We sing that in songs. 
It's harder to believe it on Monday morning and Thursday morning and Friday night and Saturday afternoon. Do we really believe that God is in control? Do we believe that he's sovereign? Do we believe that his timing is perfect and he knows best what needs to happen in our lives and on the world stage? Do we really believe that? That's what he is providing them an opportunity to do. Listen, sometimes, have you ever heard a pastor or you ever heard a sermon or a teacher say, sometimes God closes a door because he's about to open a better one for you? Have you ever heard that? Um, that's a little bit um, off kilter in my opinion because it makes you and I the focus of God's activity. God's closing a door for you because he's about to open up another one that's even better for you. It makes us the center of God's work and activity, right? In the 1500s, there was a man named Copernicus, and he had, he was a mathematician and astronomer, and he had the guts and the fortitude to suggest that the universe did not revolve around the earth. It doesn't revolve around us. We are not the center of the universe. It's actually this big flaming ball that's 98 million miles away. It's the sun, and we rotate around it. What if the Lord is closing the door, and, and yes, perhaps, maybe, maybe there's a better one opening for you in the, in the months ahead. But what if he's closed a door to your life? What if he's closed a door in my life? Because it will bring him the most glory with what he's about to do, regardless of what it brings into our life, whether that's joy, whether that's peace, whether that's encouragement. I believe he provides all those things. What if he's going to do what brings him? He's the center of the story. He's the center of our universe. What if it's about to bring him the most glory? H have you prayed that lately? Uh, so let's just say nobody in the room is praying for the Lord to open one door specifically, but have, have you ever prayed like, Lord, I want to know what's going to bring you the most glory in the city of Nashville today. What is it that's going to make you famous in our city? What is it in my life that's going to make more of you and draw people to yourself? Have you prayed that lately? Have you made him the center of your prayers? When he says no to our plans, it presents us with an opportunity to trust him. So here's an encouragement. we got to learn to yield to what he is doing, even if we don't fully understand it. So how do you do that? Here's what I want you to do. Write this down. When you pray this afternoon or this week, go ahead and acknowledge, when you start your prayers, go ahead and acknowledge who you are in light of who he is. You are the creator, and I'm the created. You don't answer to me. You don't owe me anything. And when you pray that, what, is it, what it does is it humbles you. It humbles you. It brings humility into your life. It brings a greater desire and hunger to hear and see and sense him reveal his plans. And it it makes you grateful for every little morsel of scripture and every little truth in your prayer life that he does reveal to you. Start your prayer life by yielding to him and acknowledging who you are in light of who he is. He's God, and what we want is you and your plans to move forward more than our own. But secondly, when you pray this week, hold, hold your plans loosely in your hand. Hold your plans about your future loosely in your hands this week. So here's what I would encourage you to do. I don't have it, do I have it on me? Yep, I keep one of these. I'm a huge like NASA geek, so this one has like the Gemini mission rocket on it, and like I've just it's called Field Notes, and I fill it up with everything I'm praying about. When I'm sitting in the dentist office, I hate the dentist, so I really go to this journal when I'm in there. Okay, like I write when I'm at a red light, I write when I'm in a meeting, and I'm like this doesn't pertain to me, but oh my gosh, I need to pray about this. Like I write my plans, I write my desires, I write all of that in here. So let me use this to illustrate. If you do similar. 
whether on your phone, through a little note app or whatever, hold your plans loosely in your hand. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when God calls a man to follow him, he bids him come and die. Lay down your desires and your plans, take up my life. And I've found the sooner we can do that, the much better it is for us day to day. And so we don't hold on to things. We say, like, I, I live to serve and follow you. And so if you want to adjust or change or open up the plans of my life and say, that's not what I have for you, it's a whole lot easier when your hand's not gripping them and holding them, right? So maybe whatever it is, it could be something good. It could be praying for a significant other. It could be about a dating relationship. It could be about marriage. It could be about children. It could be about parenting. It could be something you want to see in your community or for your neighbor, your coworker. Pray those things and hold them loosely in your hand saying, you have permission to do what you want to do. Because sometimes the Lord has other things in mind that he wants to do, even though we're praying well-intended things. And I want to show you exactly what I'm talking about. Look with me again in verses 8 through 10. In chapter 8, for whatever reason, or verse 8, the Lord would not allow them to go and to preach or to speak the gospel in Asia. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. They went down to Troas, and that's a city there. It's a port city. It's on the western side of Turkey. It's on the Aegean Sea. They went down to this place. They didn't sulk. They didn't complain. They didn't groan. They could have. I think that'd be fair. But they just kept moving. They just kept seeking for opportunities to be faithful. And during the night, verse 9, Paul had a vision. Your translation may say he had a dream. He had a vision. He had a dream. And in the dream, what does it say? There was a Macedonian man. I don't know if anybody's ever been to Macedonia. Current day Macedonia, Albania, there right around Greece. They're talking about Greece here. There was a man from Greece, there was a man from Macedonia who was standing in the dream and pleading with Paul, cross over to Macedonia and help us. Cross over to Macedonia and help us. Have you ever had a vivid dream where you feel like the Lord revealed something to you? On the coattails of being told, this is not my plan for you at this time, what are the coincidences that Paul has a dream in the night where a man on a different continent across the Aegean Sea is saying, help us, help us. The Lord revealed something to him in this vision and in this dream. When things weren't going their way, weren't going as they anticipated, I told you they didn't sulk, they kept moving, and they were just like Barnabas. I told you Barnabas was faithful. He was simply just trying to be obedient to be a faithful disciple day in and day out in the mundane moments in the relationships where God had planted them. And when they were doing that, it was because of their obedience in the city of Troas that God revealed his next step for them. I think some of us want God to reveal like his plans for us, and we haven't put ourselves spiritually in Troas. And what I mean by that is we're asking God to reveal and to do and to make things happen, and, and we haven't gotten to a place where we say, I just want you to be glorified. I just want you, and, and, and until you reveal it, I'll just be faithful in my workplace. I'll just be faithful at Orange Theory Fitness. I'll just be faithful at 8th and Rose when I go in there to be kind and friendly to the person taking my order. I'll just be faithful at Radnor Lake this afternoon. It's going to be 81 degrees this afternoon in Middle Tennessee. If you can get through the sinus, the allergy, your head being stopped up, and your eyes watering, it's going to be an awesome afternoon. 
What if you just said, I got so many plans, I can't wait for you to reveal them, and I, I don't think I'm asking for anything selfish or wrong. I want you to be glorified in my life, but until you reveal the next five years, the next 10 years, I'm just going to be faithful with where you planted me. In the mundane, in the routine. Like, that doesn't sound captivating. That doesn't sound compelling. Go to lunch and say, our pastor preached a sermon where he said, just be faithful in the mundane. And that doesn't, like, that's not Insta-story worthy, is it? Ah, uh, we, we need a little more, Lord. We need something compelling. And he's coming back to Paul and Silas, and he's coming back. I, I could name you in this room. He's coming back to Judson. He's coming back to Kate. He's coming back to Sam. He's coming back to Mitch. He's coming back to Madison. He's coming back to you saying, just be faithful in the normal routine daily moments, and I will reveal to you what's next. And, and in this vision, look at what happens. In verse 9, he has this vision, come over across the Aegean Sea to Macedonia and help us. And in verse 10, what does it say? The next morning, surely and clearly, Paul shared his vision with his companions. So what does it say in verse 10? Here's where Luke kind of says, by the way, this is like a little humble brag, by the way, I'm the one writing all this. Look at what he says. And after he had seen this vision, we, we, I am with this crew, we, Luke, we made efforts immediately to set out for Macedonia. I tell you all the time, Hunter tells you all the time as our group's minister, you need to be in biblical community because sometimes when the Lord starts revealing his plan, you need other people to, to help you process that. He processed what he felt like the Lord was revealing to him in the context of community, Right? He got, together with, he got together with Silas. He got together with Timothy and like, hey, here's, you're not going to believe this dream I had. I, 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 I lament if you're not in a group and Sunday, maybe this is not your church, you're visiting with us and at your church, you're only there on Sunday. I lament for you. Who do you turn to when there are awesome, incredible, unbelievable things happening in your life? Like you rob yourself. I rob myself of that opportunity if we're not in community. It's not just you need friends. You need community. I think we all do. At the core, what it means to be human is you're created for a relationship. But what did he do when the Lord revealed something to him? He turned to his brothers and said, you're not going to believe this. And what if he had said, like, you're not going to believe this. I'm supposed to start an underwater basket weaving class at the church at Troas. And what if Silas was like, we love you and God be praised, but you've lost your mind. Like sometimes you need people to say, that, that is something. That's a God-sized vision. Why don't we all pray about that for weeks, months maybe, before you act on that? Now here's what's, here's what's fascinating. They got together and they were all walking with the Spirit daily. And so the Spirit aligned their hearts. What Paul has seen is not fantastical in like an irresponsible way, like that's of the Lord, and y'all need to cross across the Aegean Sea. They were united in that. I kept writing in my notes. I kept praying yesterday. I kept praying this morning, Lord, what we want out of this text today is to tell you, following in the footsteps of these men, we want what you want most more than our own plans, even if it unfolds a little differently than we had thought, right? And, and, and here's what I want you to know. When Melody and I didn't talk about what she was going to lead us in prayer, when she walked up here, she said, I know you've got your thoughts, your concerns, your fears, your, right? Like, that's legit. I love how she gave you permission, gave me permission to say, there's a lot going on in life, and that's okay. Can I encourage you as best you can to set it to the side and say, 
I just want to hear God's voice. I just want you want. And I sat right there and I thought, Holy Spirit, you're doing it again. Like you're doing it again. You're aligning our hearts and leadership in the same way you did here. You need to be in biblical community with others. And immediately, with great obedience, they crossed over. Look at what it says. We concluded that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. That's the Macedonians. Adam, do you have that map real quickly? Because I know everybody always loves spending time in the map section of their Bible. So I would love to draw your attention to the map section of your Bible. And if you have, oh my gosh, I have made this so small on this screen. It looked awesome on my laptop. I was like, they're going to love this history lesson. So forgive. But here's what I want you to know. Paul and his crew, sorry if you're watching online, there's no one on the platform. Paul and his crew make their way through Asia, and the Lord said, not now. They get over here to Troas. This is the Aegean Sea. If anybody's been to the Dardanelles right here near the Balkans, like this is the Aegean Sea. This, was, this is Turkey. That was Asia as they knew it then. And they're here, and this is where he has this dream. And the Lord says, come over and help them. You get that next one? Hopefully this is closer. Please let it be a closer view. Yes, it's slightly closer. One-eighth of a percentage point closer. Okay. And they crossed over immediately. We were convinced the Lord wanted us to share the gospel with the Macedonians. Now, if you've been to Macedonia, like Corinth is down here. This is Greece. Corinth is here. You ever heard of Paul's letters to the Corinthians? You ever heard of his letters to the Thessalonians? Thessaloniki is right up here. This is Macedonia. This is Greece. This is Rome right up here. This is Italy, the boot. You can see that. Here's what I want to tell you. If they had been stubborn and they had been like, we just want to do what we want to do, and I'm so disappointed that you said no, like, I want you to see how much better God is at planning our lives than we are. Do you know what this represents? Do you know what continent this is? It's okay. You can say it. Audience participation is fine. Anybody got to guess what continent this is? This is Europe. The Roman Empire is here. And it's here. And for the first time in world history, the linchpin of the Roman Empire and the known world was joined together with the potential of having the gospel advance among the whole known world through all of Europe. Do you know where the gospel went after it went from Europe? The gospel went to North Africa. Do you know where the gospel went from Europe? It went to the Western Hemisphere, to North America. Do you know where the gospel went from there? It went to the Caribbean. It went to Latin America. It went to all of these places because it crossed over. Now, I'm going to suggest to you that God knows what he's doing when he says, I, I hear your prayers, and they are important, but the answer is no because I have something better in mind, and look what I'm doing. I'm going to allow you to join me in being the first ones to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the continent of Europe, and guess what? One day in 2023, there will be a group of Christians that gather at, at a place called the Church at Avenue South because what? We can track the advancement of the gospel to this moment in Acts chapter 16. Do you think God knew what he was doing when he said, no, I have something better in store for you? Well, I mean, he's so much better at planning and leading us than we are. At any point during this teaching, at any point during this time together, you have multiple invitations to say, you know what I need to do? I just need to yield my life 
and trust him. I need to yield my plans. I need to yield my preferences. And if you don't know this verse, this is memorable. This is Insta-story worthy. Proverbs 16.9. Adam, would you put it up there? Proverbs 16.9. In his heart, a man or a woman plans his life, plans his course, but the Lord determines your steps. Here's what I want you to know. If you will just continue to be faithful, God will get you where you want to go. I'm not going to tell you that today. If you will just be faithful, God will get you where he wants you to go. And that's exactly where you want to be. If you will be faithful, God will get you where he wants you to be. And did you read what happened once he got there? Look at what it says here in this passage. They show up in Samothrace, in Neapolis, verse 12, Philippi. The Philippian church is my favorite church in the New Testament. It was a Roman colony, a leading city of the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there for several days, and we went down by the river so that we could pray in the normal, routine moments of faithful obedience. Guess what? There just happens to be a smart, intelligent, entrepreneurial woman named Lydia there. One of my friends that works at the Brentwood campus named his daughter Lydia after this text. Happened to be a woman named Lydia there. She was God-fearing. She knew there was a God. She knew she wasn't God. He's in control. I'm not. But she perhaps had never heard about Jesus being the Son of God and fulfilling all of the promises of God. And Jesus being raised by God to offer new life and hope and second chances. And it says here, we sat down and spoke to the women gathered there. And the Lord opened, in verse 14, Lydia's heart to respond to what Paul was preaching. And after she and her household were baptized, Lydia went back and she told everybody in her house about Jesus. I know that, that there are women heroes in the Bible like Esther and Ruth, but I put Lydia right up there with them because it was in her living room that was the base of operations for the gospel of Jesus to go all over the continent of Europe. How fantastic is that? And, and do you realize Paul and Silas and Timothy sat in her living room? If you've ever been on a mission trip, I've sat in people's living rooms in the foothills of the Himalayas in Nepal or outside of Bangkok in Thailand, and you, you have a front row seat to watch what God is revealing to you. Like these guys, because they just kept being faithful when he closed this door, and they saw, oh my goodness, there's a need here, and it's made it abundantly clear, and they had a front row seat to literally watch a world-changing movement. Millions of women, men, teenagers, and children have come to faith in Christ by the advancement and the multiplication of the gospel that can be traced back to this moment. Plug your name in here. Paul, Barnabas, Esther, Ruth. I, we go around. What, they were just being faithful and just wanting what God wanted more than what they wanted. And they had a front row seat to watch the world be changed. Like th that's The future belongs to churches that just want what God wants. The future belongs to churches that want what God wants for the planet more than what we want for our own lives. That's my prayer for us.
And that's what we're going to pray over the next couple of minutes. Like, this is a wonderfully exciting, life-changing, history-changing text, and he's still doing this kind of stuff in 2023. So I don't know what it is you need to present to him over the next few moments. Nick and team, would y'all come up here? I don't know what it is that you need to present before him. Lord, I have not asked you what you think about any of my plans lately, and this text has this text has convicted me. This text has challenged me. I just Today, I just need to tell you, I want to know what you think about my life, and I haven't done that lately. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe over the next couple of minutes, you're like, Lord, I, I, I believe I'm open. I believe I'm available, but I want you to speak to me in a way where I know exactly what my next step is. But until then, give me the faithfulness. Give me the patience. Give me the persistence to just be faithful in the normal routine days of my life so that I can see you made much of, and I'll be prepared for these big, God-sized moments as they come along. And if you don't know Jesus, and you'd love to be part of a huge adventure like this, maybe today you're like, I'm like Lydia. I do not know Jesus. Like, I know about God. I'm interested in spiritual things, but I do not know Jesus. I want to know more about Jesus. Then maybe over the next few minutes, you just want to pray, Jesus, I want to know you more. But let me give you about 90 seconds. You pray as you feel led. Nick's playing softly on the guitar. Dave's on the keys. You pray as you feel led for 90 seconds. What is it that you need? What is it that you want? And then Nick will ask us to stand and sing in response.